0: Welcome. The following presentation from Answers in CME is part of an educational activity titled Talking About Treatment Failure in Neovascular Age-Related Macular Degeneration – Practical Strategies for Switching VEGF-Targeted Therapies. To access the full program and supporting materials, please visit the activity URL in the episode description. This activity is supported by an independent medical education grant from Regeneron Pharmaceuticals, Incorporated.
1: Janessa is a 75-year-old female with long-standing neovascular AMD who is currently being treated with intravitreal ranibizumab in both eyes every four to five weeks since January of 2015. She's had a history of over 50 ranibizumab injections. Despite persistent visits to clinic, she continues to have fluid on the OCT with a vision of 20 over 50. During her visit, she expresses frustration with current therapy as the patient drives over 60 miles for her care. She would like to explore additional options to improve her vision. Hello, my name is Senior Hari Prasad. I am the Shui Chin Li Professor of Ophthalmology and Visual Science and currently the Interim Chair of our department. I also act as chief of the vitreo retinal service, and I head our fellowship program in the diseases and surgery of the retina, macula, and vitreous. Today, we're going to discuss the importance of recognizing suboptimal treatment in patients with neovascular AMD receiving anti-VEGF therapy to ensure optimal outcomes and disease control. It's very important to define what suboptimal response is in neovascular AMD patients. Obviously, if frequency of treatment is too high, This may not be sustainable for the patient, the caregiver, or the practice. If the visual acuity is not improving and worsening, this obviously is not an optimal outcome. And also, if persistent fluid remains on the OCT and the retina is not drying up, this obviously is not a good outcome as well. So I would take the definition of suboptimal response to include these three variables. When we look at suboptimal response in neovascular AMD, clearly we've made tremendous progress over the past decade or two. We have many patients who do well on anti-VEGF therapy. Some patients are reaching every 12-week dosing, about 50% of patients with some of our modern treatments. However, there's still 50% of patients who don't achieve optimal dosing frequency. These are the patients that we need to focus on, those patients who are not reaching these great outcomes. Obviously, measuring retinal fluid is very important. and OCT measures the most important biomarker in neovascular MDA, which is active leakage of retinal fluid. In my opinion, most patients should get an OCT at every visit, or at least most of their visits when they come to see us. When I examine a patient, there are several things that I do to monitor for suboptimal response in neovascular AMD. The session starts with a full ocular exam, which includes an anterior and a posterior examination. And we also check the pressure of the eye. And during each visit, the visual acuity assessment is very important to me. I perform OCT imaging. And then, you know, when we look at the OCT and we look at the patient, we want to quantify the intraretinal fluid, subretinal fluid, and sub-RPA fluid. In summary, identifying patients who suboptimally respond to anti-VEGF therapy earlier rather than later may be beneficial to the patient, the caregiver, and the retina specialist. In the next session, let's discuss the prevalence of suboptimal treatment response and discuss strategies to avoid suboptimal response with treatment. One of the main reasons that patients have suboptimal response to anti-VEGF treatment is that the patients and the caregivers are barriers to the treatment. For instance, a study was done that looked at the most common barriers to both patients and the caregivers. From the patient perspective, the most common barrier was pain and side effects. They also have fear and anxiety about the injection. But if you look at caregivers, they also have their issues and barriers in terms of providing support for their loved ones. They talk about the pain that the patient may receive, fear and anxiety, travel logistics, frequency of visits, but waiting time before the visit is an important barrier to the caregiver for obvious reasons. Amayaku and colleagues did a great job in helping to characterize and quantify suboptimal response to anti-VEGF therapy in neovascular AMD. What I really liked about this study is this group broke down morphology as in OCT versus functional suboptimal response as in vision, and looked at the responses as non-response, poor, partial, and good. A non-responder is a patient who loses greater than five letters of vision and has unchanging or increasing fluid on OCT. Somebody who's a poor responder has about a zero to 25% reduction in OCT and has a reduction of zero to four letters. A partial responder is one that has an OCT value of 25 to 75%. of the baseline value, and only has one to five letter vision gain. And a patient who responds well, a good responder, has about a reduction of 75% of baseline values on OCT and improves greater than five letters on their functional visual acuity testing. So this is a very clear way of quantifying suboptimal responders, breaking down morphology as in OCT versus function as in visual acuity. It is important to recognize that over time, patients will lose vision in the treatment of neovascular AMD. What you're seeing here is the five-year CAT study result. You can see that over five years, patient will revert to their baseline in terms of vision. There are many reasons for this. One is that the treatment regimen is not as intensive in the long-term follow-up period, but also dry AMD is not being treated in the setting of wet AMD. As retina specialists, we're doing a very good job treating wet macular degeneration, but dry AMD is progressing in the setting of neovascular AMD, and this is a very large unmet need. So, in summary, clinically defining suboptimal response to anti VEGF therapy and neovascular AMD may be useful in your practice to better characterize patient response to current therapy. In the next session, let's discuss the efficacy of switching VEGF targeted therapies after patients experience suboptimal response to their treatment. In this section, I'd like to review data talking about the responses in patients who switch anti-VEGF therapy due to suboptimal response, looking at the mean ETDRS letter scores in patients receiving other anti-VEGF agents and switch to a flipper set. After four years, 41% of patients had improved vision, about a gain of more than five letters, and 28% had stable vision, either minus four to four letters. So these are patients who had previous anti-VEGF therapy, were deemed to be suboptimal responders, and switched to aflibercept. In patients that were switched to intravitreal brolucizumab, what we see here is something interesting. If you look at the OCT findings, looking at every variable, patients are having a drier macula, but unfortunately, this does not translate to better visual acuity. My hunch is that patients were switched too late, or there must be some other effect that we're not aware of. But even though we improve morphologically, we're not improving functionally. In this slide, what we're looking at are the functional outcomes of switching from a flibricep to ranivismab in neovascular AMD. And what you see here in the vast majority of patients, patients actually lose vision and some actually stay the same. But what you see on the far right of each of the set of bar graphs are the patients who gain greater than 10 letters of vision. And notice how these numbers are very small. So, in my opinion, switching from a filbercept to ranibizumab is an unsuccessful strategy in patients who are suboptimally responding to a set, as seen and evidenced by this study. So, in summary, one strategy to manage patients who are suboptimally responding to anti-VEGF therapy in neovascular AMD may be to switch anti-VEGF therapy. Research reveals that the responses are variable and may or may not benefit vision even if the macula has less fluid after the switch. In the next session, let's discuss practical strategies for switching from one VEGF-targeted agent to another. It's very important to engage patients when considering switching anti-VEGF therapy due to suboptimal response in neovascular AMD. We need to explain to the patient why it's important to consider switching therapy and discuss treatment options. We want to discuss the importance of injection treatment intervals, and we want to also get a sense from the patient how easy it is for them to come into our office for visits and treatments. We want to give the patient time to ask questions, and we also want to get a sense of the financial burden of our treatment regimen to the patient. Importantly, if the patient desires, I always try to involve the caregiver in the discussion in order to help support the patient and ask questions. Once we switch therapy, it's very important to track the treatment response. Once again, a full ocular examination, we check the vision, but also an OCT test is one of the best ways to objectively track treatment response. And also keep in mind that each anti-VEGF agent has a unique side effect profile. So we re-consent the patient, we explain to them the unique side effects of that particular treatment. And when the patient returns, we examine the eye for inflammation and we do check the pressure as I indicated previously. Now, whenever we make a switch, occasionally I've seen the subclinical unhappiness. For whatever reason, the patient was happier with the previous treatment. And if this happens, we can always switch back to the original therapy. In summary, when switching anti-VEGF therapy, communication with the patient and caregiver is critical to ease anxiety and improve understanding of why the switch is being made. In the next session, let's discuss management strategies for patients who have switched VEGF-targeted agents. About a decade ago, the question was asked of whether quadruple-dose ranibizumab could be more effective in treating neovascular AMD than the standard dose. This question was asked and answered in a study called the HARBOR study. It was a very important study, which answered the question that quadruple-dose ranibizumab is not more effective than the FDA-approved dose in the treatment of neovascular AMD. However, we have a very interesting finding regarding a where increasing the dose of intravitreal fliberset may be beneficial. The study was called Candela. It's a phase two randomized clinical trial. Assessing the safety and efficacy of a 8 milligrams versus a set 2 milligrams in patients with neovascular AMD. The study showed that 50% of wet AMD patients can effectively be treated with an every 12-week dosing regimen. When looking at retinal fluid status, what we found is that the 8 milligram dose of a Flipperset, 51% of eyes, had no retinal fluid at week 16. And the two milligram dose, 34% of eyes had no retinal fluid. What was very important was that no new safety signals were identified. It's very important for the clinician to understand the package label in terms of dosing regimens. The package labels for most of our drugs has a wide range of dosing to allow the clinician to practice the art of what we do. And an understanding of the package label is very important. And we want to minimize off label usage of this drug by either increasing the dosing frequency or increasing the dose of drug beyond what is considered standard of care. In summary, after switch is made, it's critical to assess treatment response and monitor for safety. Also, please don't forget to consent the patient for the new therapy given unique side effect profiles. Identifying patients suboptimally responding to anti VEGF therapy earlier rather than later, may be beneficial to the patient, caregiver, and the retina specialist. Various options exist for managing the patient suboptimally responding to anti-VEGF therapy, increase the frequency, switch the drug. Responses after switching anti-VEGF therapy may be variable from a morphological versus functional standpoint. And discussion with the patients and caregivers about switching is critical to minimize anxiety and to increase understanding of why the switch is being considered.
0: Thank you for listening. Please visit the activity URL in the episode description to view all program materials, complete the post-test, and get a certificate.